another epic episode of the Hyper Anomalous Esoteric Research Organization podcast, aka Hero Paranormal, broadcasting from just south of the old Bigelow Ranch from a location known as SpaceWolfResearch.com. My name is Ryan, the anomalous ambassador of the airwaves, bringing you an absolutely amazing Christmas episode today, or technically Christmas Eve, but I had to come out with this because... Just an hour ago, Biden's plane was flanked by a UFO, a UAP. The question is, many purport it may have been a weather balloon, but it literally crossed paths just about close proximity, as close as you can get, to Air Force One. So what was this object? Was it Santa? Well, we're going to get into that, but before we do... Let's just say, if you haven't gone over to HeroParanormal.com, you're missing out. There's a ton of content over there. And if you want to support the podcast, head on over to HappinessMedical.com, products over there that support the podcast. And yeah, if you're listening via YouTube, please, please, please like, share, and subscribe. I will most likely never be monetized on YouTube for a variety of reasons, including the truth. But if you like, share, and subscribe, you'll help me break through the algorithm of control. The shadow ban is real. So let's get to this. This object looks exactly like the kind of stuff I catch in the skies all the time, up and over and around SpaceWolfResearch.com. For those who are unfamiliar with SpaceWolf Research, it is a base camp, a ranch that shares a fence line with the old Bigelow Ranch that was the uh, target of many black budget Pentagon projects. But let's just um, let, let's get let's get into this. This looks just like what we see in the sky, and it was in close proximity to Biden's plane. So, in all seriousness, this could be a matter of national security. So, this took place over LAX. Now, this is far from being the first time that we see these metallic spheres, or UAPs for lack of a better word, hovering around aircraft, and military aircraft, even helicopters. As many of you know, I have caught with the tracking software and cameras at Space Wolf Research, I've caught these things literally flying through the blades of Chinook helicopters. They can move that quickly. So, this particular case with Biden's plane is only important because it is, uh, yeah, following the craft of our commander-in-chief, right? Like, it is in close proximity of that airplane that we all know as Air Force One. And from the different reports, two brothers were involved with filming this. They're amateur uh, photographers and videographers for airplanes, and they know what they're doing. They actually 
at first thought, oh, maybe it's just a weather balloon. But after really looking at the footage, this thing is moving around erratically and it stays in close proximity of the plane for nearly an hour. So this is a big deal. Keep in mind that Air Force One had two fighter jets with it. And so they were aware of this as well. Nobody's really making a big stink over this yet, but it is impressive that this is taking place and that it's not really making the rounds. So I'm just going to go with Santa. It's Santa. I like that. It seems to work. It's appropriate for the time period. And uh, yeah, Christmas is right around the corner. Tick tock, tick tock. Christmas Eve is here. And that brings me to a whole bunch of other things to cover here. And part of that involves the esoteric significance of Christmas. That's right. And there are many theosophical investigators and researchers who believe that there's more to all this than meets the eye, but that there's also some that's been occulted and lies in the shadows. So, according to Talmudic sources, they seriously questioned the belief that Jesus was born of divine conception. Now, back before Jesus came around, or before he was here, times were tough. In fact, they were even tough after Jesus arrived, but all of a sudden there was something new. There was hope. His Jewish name would have been Jeshua, and later it was Romanized as Jesus. He was a young man who first trained by an Essene community in southern Judea, and later at the age of 19 sent to the Essene Monastery at Mount Serbal, which had a library of occult works. I said it, a library of occult works, which he studied. These works were from India, Persia, and Egypt, and the type of works that sorcerers would understand. Jesus had familiarity with such books around the age of 29 or 30. And he was someone who seemed to uh, be very good at learning and teaching. His skin was slightly brown, according to many historical writings, rather than a deep tan. Which makes this a perfect time to promote a product which supports the podcast. Head on over to happinessmedical.com. The product is Spice Natural Bronze. It's invented by my wife, formulated and brought to market by her. She's the brains behind the operation, no doubt about that. But this is an amazing hydrating moisturizer that can get you through the winter months, keeping your skin oh so healthy while keeping that tan from the summer months. It's all organic, the first of its kind to technologically infuse cocoa butter, aloe vera, and coconut oils, among other all organic ingredients, into an amazing lotion that will make your skin happy, tan as if your life depends on it, because it does. Happinessmedical.com. Okay, let's get back to the man, the myth, the legend, Jesus. He was, as I said, sort of brown, like um, not exactly tan, but like a deep, dark tan, right? And uh, he also stood differently than most. 
He was very erect. He stood straight up, had great posture, the way he carried himself. And oftentimes, as the symbolism of sorcerers comes from this and other examples, he would walk with a staff. A staff made of a very thick piece of wood, about shoulder height, maybe a little more. They say he especially loved children and was very kind to them. They adored him. And he had a manner about him which one just knew there was something special about him. Now, let's make no qualms about it. Christmas Eve was one of the most esoteric dates in human history. We had three highly apt intelligence officers, a.k.a. wise men, traveling through the deserts. These were wealthy individuals with deep esoteric knowledge. I mean... One was burning frankincense, the other one was hoarding gold, the other one had myrrh, and it's arguable, if you follow the beliefs of many researchers and investigators, that these guys were very much illuminated. The brightest minds of their time, bringing gifts to a star, because they knew that this light in the sky, for lack of a better word, a possible UAP or UFO, was about to indicate that big changes were coming. And big changes did come. It's become pretty popular and cool to debunk Christianity, and therefore kind of turned a blind eye to Christmas. But I believe that this is a misunderstanding of the esoteric importance of the season. In fact, Christmas is an honor of the esoteric, of a sorcerer, and obviously one of the most mighty individuals to ever start a movement ever. One who was allegedly born during the season, and one who just happened to mark the winter solstice celebrated by Wiccans, Hanukkah, Judaism, Kwanzaa, First Fruits, African-American holidays. Technically, nailed it, right? And in observance of this, I believe that the idea of the resurrection of Jesus can be joined with the access to salvation and a promise of eternal life because... We are literally talking about the same things we are investigating now. Consciousness studies. Life after death. And honestly, it seems pretty amazing to me that not a lot has changed. Keep in mind, the shorthand for Christmas is Xmas. Why the X? You know, X seems to be that mark, right? That X marks the spot. We have SpaceX, we have Twitter that just changed its name to X, we have the symbol of the cross, or the X. And, trust me when I say you don't want to be crossed or cursed, and that is where the names of these things come from, is that X, that abbreviated X. This can symbolize the idea that Christ had to be crucified or crossed up on a cross before becoming eligible 
to show us that there's more after death. Something that I think people knew, but they weren't quite sure of. And this is just, I'm not going to get into what happened later on in Jesus's life, but just the night of, because that's where we're at. This is Christmas Eve. And Christmas Eve, for some reason, really has the same feeling for me as, you know, Halloween night. It's like the darker aspect. I don't know why. It has, it's an esoteric holiday, in my opinion, and an important holiday that's misinterpreted by many quote-unquote woke modern individuals who just think it's people gathering in a church. That's not it at all. In fact, I think those people are in for a rude awakening because when the smoke clears, you realize that a lot has to do with Christianity and the ideas of Santa Claus. Very esoteric indeed. Did you know that the Nordics typically and I mean the people of the North, not the aliens, but the Nordics typically put Yule and these items that we see like mistletoe, this stuff around their windows and doors to keep out the evil spirits when it was cold and dark outside. Yeah, now we do it to decorate our homes with candles, etc. But they put that to keep away evil spirits that wouldn't be gone until after the solstice, after Christmas. And Santa Claus, there's a reason why he's wearing red and white. Don't make any mistake about it. There's a reason why he brings gifts. Make no mistake about that as well. And there's a reason why there is the legend of the Krampus. And if you haven't heard of the Krampus... That would be the alter ego of Santa, or his evil twin, so to speak. And this was the best way to keep children from wandering away from the house before the solstice was complete, before that Christmas night. And this is important because the Krampus is quite literally the opposite of Santa Claus. The Christmas tree is also an ancient esoteric traditional symbol of the tree of life. That's right, the tree of life that you hear in Genesis 3.2.2. You've heard of Order 3.2.2, Genesis 3.2.2. And this is quite literally, the Christmas tree is a symbol of the tree of life. So why would this be a symbol of the tree of life? Well, Genesis 3.2.2 says the following. The Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever, much like the promise that is made at Christmas, Christ Mass, and that is literally the belief that we move on after death, right? The Christmas tree traditionally is extremely esoteric, a symbol of this same tree of life, encircled usually seven times, like any good magic spell, seven times with Christmas lights. This symbolizes the awakened serpent fire and the seven awakened chakras or vortices. 
And of course, don't forget that twinkling star at the top of the Christmas tree. This symbolizes the awakened crown chakra at the top of the head. May this meaningful Christmas symbol inspire. This is all about Christ's consciousness, spiritual enlightenment, and basically understanding that you know the esoteric meanings of all this. Christ lived, or Jesus, the Nazarene, lived to be 33 years old. The average human being has 33 vertebra. Of course, the crown chakra, much like the twinkling star, lies atop of this. And let's not forget knowing the difference between good and evil, as mentioned in Genesis 3.2.2. Understanding original sin and that giving way to the passions, the animal primal passions, is not in the best interest of the enlightenment or awakening of the soul. Interestingly, this brings up the Santa Claustrum, the Santa Claus. And this is interesting because it starts like this. There is a sacred secretion from mainly a biblical perspective. You know, I'm sure, what that sacred secretion might be. In summary, the basic concept is that your brain is connected to your sacrum via the spinal cord and that the fluid travels up and down the spinal cord between the two. The fluid begins in the brain, travels down to the sacrum, where if you have been retaining for long enough, it is enriched by your sexual energy, that abstinence, and reabsorbed before returning to the brain, where it passes through a thin mass of neurons called the claustrum. Get it? Santa Claus? Santa Claustrum? Santa just means holy, the holy claustrum. That is the Latin root for Santa. And then the pineal gland, scientific study has basically lent a lot of credence to this. The theory states that this cerebrospinal fluid can be enhanced by retention from its trip to the sacrum, causing the release of DMT, or if it's Christmas, I guess it's the DM tree. Get it? The Christmas tree? Not funny. Anyway, causing the release of DMT and serotonin in the pineal gland, which results in an altered state of consciousness. This change has been referred to as the quote-unquote Christ consciousness. Now, there have been many interpretations when it comes to this, and many mystic sciences that go into this, specifically the Kundalini. And the entire topic is spoken of by Leonardo da Vinci. Leonardo was an amazing man. I, I, I love his quotes. I love everything he did. And he claimed to be celibate in his older years. Keep in mind that he made all kinds of inventions and believed that this was somehow due to his semen retention. There are many theories as to why he was celibate, but in his journals, he wrote that the testes are connected directly to the brain through the spinal cord. Da Vinci spoke of semen retention. And he was a genius. Could this have been a result of 
this altered state of consciousness, or the Santa Claus, the Santa Claustrum. Keep in mind that semen is the color white, and women have a monthly menstrual cycle which is red. This is the symbolic significance of the suit of Santa Claus, red and white. And there is an explanation of the sacred secretion, pineal gland, and biorhythms combining the research and philosophy that underpin the sacred connection between our physical and non-physical selves. Consciousness is connected to these secretions. Okay, now, in all seriousness, there is a friend of mine who I'm not going to out, but this guy is a weightlifting buff entrepreneur on point tons of tons of intelligence but a different type of intelligence and i see his iq growing before my very eyes and he is someone who 100% believes in this connection and semen retention and man i i've been blown away it's hard for me to deny what i've seen what i've seen right before my eyes he has transformed. He's now his, he owns his own business. He 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 basically when I first met him, he had nothing, did nothing. Now he's extremely extremely motivated. He is completely focused. Like I said, buff, in shape, owns his own business on point, and he attributes this to semen retention. So maybe there is something to the Santa Claustrum the Santa Claus. Of course, we hear the same thing about the Nazarene, Christ, or Jesus, whatever you want to call him. We hear very similar tales of complete focus states, right? Completely divine in his thought processes, knowing exactly what the future holds before it even comes about, and being very pious in all of his activities, if this is attributable to the actual individual that we now know as Christ, of which we get the name Christ Mass, or the Mass for Christ, or Christmas, that's where the word Christmas comes from, Christ Mass. Well, if this guy had it down and he was doing the same thing, I mean, the list of magical conquerings far outweigh anything you could ever expect from David Copperfield, Chris Angel, all of the very best magicians combined could not hold a candle to this guy who literally people could not forget. In fact, so strong were the stories about Jesus that Christians could practically not be genocided off the planet. And people tried. People tried to get rid of Christians. This was not a popular concept. And the Christians just kept coming. Basically, they weren't worried about death because they believed that this prophet of theirs had proven that death was nothing to worry about. You'll be right back. Don't stress. You know, just keep cool. And... Keep your consciousness in check. Know the difference between good and evil. Basically take from the tree of life and live forever. 
I mean, holy cow, if that's not esoteric, I don't know what is. And trust me, Constantine, these guys were a pain in his side. There's a reason why Constantine made Christianity the religion of Rome, because he, he couldn't beat them. If you can't beat them, you might as well join them. And trust me when I say he tried. He killed tens of thousands of Christians. Tens of thousands of Christians. Nobody knows how many, in fact, it may have been hundreds of thousands of Christians. But he got tired of killing them. He got tired of hearing the same story so much, in fact, that he began to believe. He began to believe in what he saw these people preaching about. And I can't say I blame him. It's basically everything to win, nothing to lose. There's, there's no drawbacks, you know? Basically, you just believe and you achieve. It's that simple. There's no real work to be done. All the work's been taken care of. You just need to know the difference between good and evil. Pick the good. Learn to take from the tree of life, that Christ mass tree. And that is one of the strongest spells, symbolically, of which the esoteric significance and the power involved is almost immeasurable. And there you have it. You've got a winning game. And I know, I know, I'm going to get people that say Constantine was a good Christian. Well, let me just say that Emperor Constantine has been described as the cruelest and one of the most dissolute monarchs ever. In fact, Michael Grant says in The Emperor Constantine, and I quote, being an absolute autocrat, he believed that he could kill anyone. Grant cites Eutropius who declared that Constantine was responsible for many murders of his friends and says that this was unmistakably true and that there was a long list of his victims. Constantine even killed his eldest son, Crispus, then killed his wife, Fausta. He killed his close friend, Sopater, on the pretext that he had magically fettered the winds and thus prevented food from arriving at famine-stricken Constantinople. So, did Constantine kill a lot of Christians? Oh, yes. And so did his Roman generals, who would handpick various soldiers to act as mercenaries. Basically, praetorians. By the time of the Second Triumvirate in 43 BCE, both Mark Anthony and Octavian had permanent praetorian units garrisoned within Rome. These were heavy-duty killers. So there's a reason why Christians were hiding. Literally, the Twelve Apostles became a secret society. One of the most secret societies, in fact. And the start of the Christian church, founded by the Twelve Apostles in, get this, circa A.D. 33. That number's important. 33. The church was completely independent from the Roman Empire, and even face persecution from it, they would be immediately killed, which is why it was the first secret society. And that number 33 keeps haunting secret societies and becomes so significant symbolically in so many ways, including Freemasonry, as I mentioned earlier, the 33 vertebrae of the human spine, 
as well as the age of 33 that Christ died at that age. And let's not, let, I mean, I could go on and on and on with 33. But yes, the 12 apostles founded the start of the Christian church, circa AD 33. Now, in some writings called Kissinger's Rare Reprints, A History of the Church from A.D. 322, there's that 322 number again, to the death of Theodore of Mopsuestia, A.D. 427, a lot of important inferences are made about the church. Now, it's important that we read between the lines here. And of course, I'm talking about the Christian church. Year 322 was, at the time, it was known as the year of consulship of Probianus and Lulianus, or less frequently, year 1075, ab urbe condita. The denomination 322 for this year has been used since the early medieval period, when the Anno Domini calendar era began the prevalent method in Europe for naming years. On a side note, year 322 is also the first year when a horse rider was paired with stirrups. This is very big deal. A huge deal. All of a sudden, riders had complete control of the steeds below them. But that's neither here nor there. Let's get back to the esoteric. Okay, so this is the time period, these years that we are discussing, more or less, basically between A.D. 312 and A.D. 337. These are the years of Constantine. And there are, in fact, two questions here. One, in what year did Constantine overcome Maxentius? The answer is in A.D. 312, after the battle at the Malvian Bridge. Having defeated Maxentius... Constantine was more powerful than before. However, he was not yet the sole emperor. So the second question, in what year did Constantine become the sole emperor? That answer is in A.D. 324, when he defeated his opponent Licinius. Constantine was the sole emperor until his death in A.D. 337. So why is this important? Well, keep in mind that if it wasn't for Constantine, we probably wouldn't be celebrating Christmas today. And in my studies, it did appear that hundreds of thousands of Christians have been killed. But the good news is, Constantine converted Rome to Christianity. And, for that very reason, we now have Christmas trees in our living room. But that's uh, another story. And actually, that's something I need to go down to. Kids are making cookies for Santa Claus tonight, and I need to go down and help them. So I hope you have a very Merry Christmas Eve. Don't forget the Santa Claustrum and the Santa Claus. Until next time, keep your eyes to the skies, feet on the ground, but don't forget to take a look around. Head on over to HeroParanormal.com to get more content over there. And if you want to support the podcast, please check out happinessmedical.com. And lastly, if you're listening via YouTube, do me the solid, like, share, and subscribe. It'll help me break through the algorithm of control. The shadow ban is real. Merry Christmas Eve. It's an esoteric holiday. Enjoy it. Uh.